Let's talk about something that really matters, and that's uh, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. No, really, I, as I said before, you know, this is a trial of uh, wealthy people fighting each other for money. And uh, while we can roll our eyes and, and look away, it really does bring up some issues socially that I think are worth talking about. Um, the trial has been going on for six weeks with closing arguments uh, having um, went on on Friday. And now the case is with the jury. My guess is that we're going to have a verdict early this coming week. Um, throughout the trial, the support for Johnny Depp has been overwhelming, and the criticism uh, of Amber Heard has been really biting and and very overwhelming as well. So the question is: Was Depp abusive, and did Amber Heard lie when she said she was an abuse victim, or um, or was was she uh, a victim herself? Or and, and, you know what? And and was he a victim of Amber Heard's conduct? With us to discuss this dynamic is an expert on the topic, Doctor Nicole. Paul Badera, PhD sociologist and researcher of sexual violence at the University of Michigan. Dr. Badera, thank you so much for joining us. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. Hello. I'm sorry we were a little late. We were uh, we were very busy in um, airing the Indy 500, which to me was a bunch of left turns. <laughs> and, but other than, I'm hoping I'm hoping we can be a little more exciting than that. Anyway, um, and let's let's talk about this trial. There's been a lot of testimony about abuse, both physical and verbal. From your standpoint as a sociologist, and you study these kinds of issues, what do you make of the two parties and their credibility, and how it's being viewed by the public? Well, as a sociologist, the first thing I would say is that credibility is sort of a gendered concept, especially in these types of cases. We tend to give men more credibility than they deserve, and we tend to not give women the credibility that they deserve. And so we're seeing that play out, and we've seen it play out from the very beginning of the case. So, for example, um, if you spent any time on Twitter or TikTok in the past six weeks, you've probably seen that Johnny Depp has gotten a huge amount of support. And that started before Amber Heard had even had a chance to share her side of the case. People had made their minds up. So that's an example of how Johnny Depp has been getting more credibility than he is merited, because literally we hadn't had to have the chance to hear both sides yet. So that's something that I've noticed a lot is... For a lot of people, they're using this case as a way to focus their own gendered beliefs. And for some people, no matter what evidence they're confronted with that Johnny Depp has committed acts of abuse, they're not inclined to believe it. And a lot of people are very inclined to blame Amber Heard, who's playing, in this case, you know, she's starting with the role of the victim. Um, We're conditioned to blame victims in our society and to put them to a lot of tests that we will never put the person accused of perpetration We'll never make them go through the same test. You know, uh, in, in you know, from my viewpoint, of course, I haven't watched it uh, the whole time. Uh, I do have a day job, but I I did notice that um, you know, it it just seems that. That, that we're focusing on, you know, did she provoke him? And, and she's crazy and she's a borderline mm-hmm. personality and she has all these issues. But but the question is, when she said in that op-ed piece, I'm a domestic abuse victim or words to that effect. It doesn't mean that, you know, to be a domestic abuse victim doesn't mean that you have to take a punch to the head, a slap or a push. It can be words. It can be throwing a whiskey bottle up against the wall. It could be saying horrible things in texts about her death and um, and, and these types of things. So, 
to me, abuse needs to be defined before we start saying, oh, no, Johnny Depp was not a perpetrator. And that's sort of being kind of glossed over, don't you think? Right. So there are some things that are not at issue in this case. And one of them is that Johnny Depp has thrown things at Amber Heard and that he has used some very verbally abusive language towards Amber Heard and about her behind her back. These things do meet the the legal definition of intimate partner violence. And for some reason, they're really not catching on in our society. I think because a lot of people do still believe that if it's not physical violence, it doesn't count. Or that if a woman isn't playing the role of the perfect victim, if she isn't always meek and submissive and apologetic, then that means that she deserves whatever happened to her. And we're seeing that on display a lot, too, is a lot of policing of Amber Heard's behavior and a lot of dismissal of things that Johnny Depp has admitted to. Well, yeah. And, you know, he did a really good job, I thought, of him saying, well, I had this troubled background. And yes, I have I used drugs and alcohol to stop and quiet the voices in my head. And you sort of start feeling sorry for him and like yeah you he had a troubled background and but again not everyone with a troubled background is you know violent uh takes drugs all day long and doesn't get help for it apparently or maybe maybe he did i maybe i missed part, that part of the testimony but it, it's sort of like people are forgiving him for all these things that caused him to somehow lash out and do these these like you said um these words these horrible words um but let, let's do this let's take a quick break and when we come back we're talking with dr nicole Badera. she's at university of michigan she is a sociologist and we're talking about the amber heard johnny depp trial and if you want to weigh in we're happy to hear from you. 312-981-7200. We'll be back in a minute. We're talking with Dr. Nicole Badera. She's a sociologist, PhD, in University of Michigan, and she studies sexual violence. And we're talking about the Amber Heard Johnny Depp trial. Nicole, thank you again for joining me. And I'm just going to read um, a text that I just received from Pat the Firefighter. Hi, Pat. Thank you for listening. And I want to say that I'm not sure I agree with Pat, but I think he uh, is saying things that I've heard the vast majority of the people who have been watching this trial are saying. He says, not a fan of either party, but it seems like you are saying Amber is without blame. Actually, I'm not saying that at all. I think she's guilty of violence as well and abuse. And then he goes on to say, it sounded like she wouldn't let things go and added fuel to the fire. I agree with you, Pat. And finally, she was an instigator. It's not all Johnny's fault. Um, And I may agree with you that it's not all Johnny's fault, but the question is going to be, was he guilty of domestic abuse? What do you have to say about um, uh, Pat the Firefighter's comment, Dr. Berdera? Well, I think we need to be really cautious here because this is a normal thing that people say to victims of intimate partner violence. They say, you made your partner angry. You weren't submissive enough. You pushed back. You fought back. And now I see you as the true party at fault. And this is something that actually leads a lot of victims to stay in abusive relationships. Their perpetrators usually echo this kind of language. It leads them to say, if any piece of this could be my fault, then I need to stay and fix this. So this kind of attitude can actually be really dangerous. And I'm alarmed by how much I've been hearing it over the past six weeks. And, you know, I I have to say, this is not a situation where Johnny Depp was 
financially dependent upon his wife. Obviously, he's a very wealthy, very uh, you know prominent guy. So if there was violence by her and provoking and instigating, and yeah, there was some of that definitely. I you know there, the, she wouldn't let some of the stuff go. But again, what was the solution to that problem? Was it to throw glasses up against the wall, get drunk on a bender bender, and then and and call her the most horrible names I think I've ever heard? You know, I, I guess there's a way out when you are Johnny Depp, and he should have just severed the relationship. I know it's harder than than it seems sometimes, but he had an out, right? And unlike many domestic abuse victims, they don't. Well, and one of the issues with this type of victim blaming is we stop thinking about what a perpetrator could have done, right? And this does often follow gender lines. We in our society believe that if a woman, for example, talks back to her husband, that he's allowed to do whatever he wants to get her back in line. That's a really different set of questions than saying, all right, but you're still responsible for the violence you've perpetrated. And it doesn't matter what she did. You still need to be able to step away. You still need to be able to hold yourself accountable. And we're not seeing as much of that attention. Really, it is fixated on Amber Heard. Interesting. Let's uh, let's listen to a little bit of the closing arguments. I put spice together a couple of pieces from uh, the closing argument made on behalf of Johnny Depp. Andrew, why don't you play that? You have now come to know the real Amber Heard. Scary. No woman ever... No woman ever before Amber Heard ever claimed that Mr. Depp raised a hand to her in his 58 years. This is Me Too without any Me Too. Why don't you play the second part? Amber Heard is not a true victim. And Mr. Depp certainly is not an abuser. This case for Mr. Depp has never been about money. It is about Mr. Depp's reputation. What do you make of these statements on behalf of Johnny Depp? I think one thing that Depp's team is clearly trying to do is set up his reputation for a rebound, even if he loses this case. The idea that this should have wide-reaching implications for the Me Too movement is something they're setting up from the very beginning. But I just want to remind people that the point of the Me Too was not that we only care about serial perpetrators. There are a lot of perpetrators who will only perpetrate against a single person, and that's not because of anything that their victims did, but because of their life circumstances. So, for example, men are most likely to perpetrate these acts of violence when they're friends with other men who hold sexist attitudes. And so, for example, if you join a fraternity in college where those types of attitudes might be prolific, but then you graduate and never spend time with people like that again, you're risk risk of perpetration drops dramatically. So it is very common, actually, for men to only perpetrate these acts of violence once. That doesn't mean anything. The point of the Me Too movement was to talk about the ubiquity of this type of violence that so many women have experienced. it. And so this turn of phrase, it actually really grinds my gears because it's delegitimizing a movement while co-opting its language and using it for someone very different than the movement was intended to support. And you know what I find interesting is that he's talking about his reputation. And I'm sorry, but and I've said this before, and I've said it on many media outlets, why in the world would he bring this case to defend his reputation when he knew that these horrible videos and his drug and alcohol abuse was going to be front and center of Amber Heard's case against him to prove the very thing that she's that she said he was? And the idea that his reputation is being harmed by her, I mean, I think it's almost laughable. Um 
because whatever he's done, he's done it himself by this trial, by his conduct, by his. And, you know, listen, he he was also known to do this on movie sets where he'd throw glasses up against the wall and he'd do other things and yell and scream. I mean, this is a guy who's on drugs. You know, he's on he's abusing alcohol. Certainly, um, you know, certainly his reputation preceded him when it comes to this trial. At least that's the way I look at it. Yeah, I think in defamation cases, we have, we often give everyone the expectation that the reason they're filing a lawsuit is to clear their name and to clear their reputation. And that can be true for other types of defamation cases. But defamation cases are often used as a weapon of a perpetrator's abuse in cases of intimate partner violence. And then we know that the goals aren't necessarily to clear your name, but rather to maintain contact with a victim over a period of years, especially if they did manage to leave the relationship. And we also know that the goal is to punish and humiliate a victim for coming forward and for leaving. So Johnny Depp has made statements that he does want to destroy Amber Heard's reputation. And if we rethink what his goals are here, he has absolutely succeeded at doing that. You know, um, the Me Too movement uh, seemed to be a good thing for women at the beginning, but it seems to have boomeranged. And I I have a a friend who is a jury consultant who is a friend of the show and has been on numerous times. And he has said that when he has given jury consulting advice to cases where there's sexual harassment, uh, the jurors have been even less willing to find perpetrators liable after Me Too because there's an idea that women are gaming the system or making stuff up in order to gain the advantage and jump on this bandwagon. Do you see this in your studies? I don't see a specific thing in my studies, but I have seen that in the aftermath of successful social movements like the Me Too movement, like Black Lives Matter, there's often a huge amount of backlash. And that backlash can be really successful, especially if the movements have not produced structural change. So the most clear example here is that we haven't changed our education system. Most students in the United States will graduate from high school without ever learning what a healthy relationship is, what intimate partner violence looks like. And so that's part of why we're seeing this blow up on TikTok. It's a lot of teenagers who really weren't aware of the Me Too movement as it was taking place. They were too young, and they were some of the first people to get invested in this case. But in addition to that, we haven't seen structural changes in the legal system, which we know is more likely to betray and re-victimize survivors than it is to help them. And so those beliefs that we might change in the moment of social change, they just don't last unless we change our society more broadly as well. And, you know, and I think, you know, everyone has a different view on the credibility of Amber Heard. But the one thing that resonated with me that she said was that this whole thing has like re-victimized her. I don't know if she used those words exactly, but the people who are threatening her. I mean, apparently she had to hire a bodyguard because people were saying they want to put her child in a microwave and slice her up and do all these horrible things. And um, it seems to me that this process is probably devastating for her, even more so than maybe even the violence that was perpetrated in during the relationship. Uh, but again, I, I'm not sure. Yeah, in my research, I see that over and over again. I really focus on campus sexual violence. And most of the survivors I have interviewed regret coming forward in some way or another. They might feel glad that they did their part for their perpetrator to maybe someday be held accountable. But when their cases fall apart, or it's very common for them to face the threat of defamation lawsuits or retaliation by their perpetrators, they often end up saying that their lives would have been better if they hadn't told anyone and they had just endured the violence, which is really reflective of how our systems are failing survivors. 
we kind of think that these systems should be really neutral. But if you think about if you were believing survivors, as we do with other victims of violent crimes, we would say, no, our state should be on the side of the victim who has been harmed and who has done nothing wrong. And when we take this sort of strange neutrality in these cases, we say we don't know what possibly could have happened, no matter how much evidence is in front of us. It's not surprising that this is what happens to victims. And I think in this case, there's really no denying that Amber Heard has faced a huge amount of harassment. I would not be surprised if she said that she felt re-traumatized because this trial has been very, very bad for her. Um, And she's facing a lot of types of comments that are legally prohibited themselves. A lot of hate speech and threats of violence. And that's really concerning. Dr. Nicole Badera, thank you so much for joining us and weighing in on this really interesting topic. Uh, Dr. Nicole Badera, she is a Ph.D. sociologist at University of Michigan. uh, And have a wonderful weekend. And thank you again for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me.